Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. Today we are going to be reacting to the San Francisco 49ers 30 to 12 victory over the New York Giants with the San Francisco 49ers advancing to 3-0 on the season, 2-0 on the road, beating the Steelers and the Rams, and now 1-0 winning in last night's Thursday night football home opener at Levi Stadium again, 30 212 over the New York Giants. We'll dive into what to make of Brock Purdy's up and a little bit of down outing early in this game. Also dive into the defense. How did they perform against Daniel Jones, a.k.a. Vanilla Vic? And what about Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle? What did they do and how great of a game did all three of those players have? We'll dive into all of it and... Maybe even just one concern I have going forward. But again, how can you not sit back and say, folks, the San Francisco 49ers are the first team this season to claim the title of being 3-0 and are still undefeated, winning their first primetime game. Brock Purdy was slinging that thing in the second half, had over 300 yards passing, Debo Samuel was running through people. I mean, this Niners team was running around them, running past the Giants defense and running right through them all night long. You can tell after the first quarter ended and things were a little closer than we'd like them to be. As soon as that second quarter hit, this Niners team flipped the switch, went up another gear and said, enough's enough. We are going to put the stomp, put our foot on the throat of the New York Giants, and yeah, there are some things to nitpick and get into and say, yeah, you know, we can be better here and better there, and certainly there are points to in this game where you can say, you know, against a better team, uh, maybe the Eagles or the Cowboys or the Chiefs or, I don't know, the the Bengals if Joe Burrow's actually playing, that yes, there are things you have to clean up, but 3-0, and Getting a win is the most important thing. Brandon Ayuk didn't play in this game. And San Francisco, for the most most part, came out unscathed. A win's a win. Now you have 10 days until week four against the Arizona Cardinals at home. San Francisco kicks off their three-game homestand with a win against the Giants, the Cardinals, and then the Dallas Cowboys and week five. They've set themselves up to potentially be 4-0 heading into week five, playing the worst team in the NFL next next Sunday in, in, in two Sundays um so really right now San Francisco is riding high feeling good and this is the first victory Friday of the season so congratulations to yourself to myself and to the San Francisco 49ers and without further ado let's dive into the show let's dive into last night's victory against the New York Giants and I was surprised with how San Francisco attacked the Giants defense. Um, I'm someone who thought it was going to be very much a Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, Jordan Mason kind of game where uh, it's going to be a run heavy scheme. No Brandon Ayuk. You want no one to get hurt. You filter in your running backs. You get in, get out with the dub. And even if it's 17 to 6 or 17 10, you win at home. You look better than the scoreboard actually says. And you win with the victory, right? You exit the game saying no harm, no foul. Uh, short week on Thursday. Whatever, right? But San Francisco said, no, nah, nah. We are going to pass the football 37 times. Brock Purdy had 31 passing attempts through the third quarter 
against the Giants. Um, I don't know the last time a Niners quarterback had 31 passing attempts through three quarters. Maybe it's earlier than I think it is, but it feels like that stat stands out so much where it's like they're trusting Brock Purdy enough to throw it 31 times and not throw a pick, not turn it over, and win this game. I mean, that's... It's not just gutsy, it's it shows the relationship Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy have where it's like, yes, previous quarterbacks here, 25 times, but that, that is your passing attempt cap. Shanahan's like, you could throw it 31 times in a quarter, I don't care, 37 times overall, and I guarantee you Shanahan would have felt comfortable with Brock Purdy throwing 40 times in this game, but again... Didn't start off great. A lot of screen passes, and there were some throws early, and where you said, "Okay, Brock, <laughs> um, um, you don't have a rhythm." It did feel like that anything thrown downfield was a no-go. It felt like it was risky. Um, there was a ball in the red zone where, and we'll dive into red zone later in the show, but uh, Purdy felt like he was forcing throws to Debo Samuel early in this game, and. There were throws to George Kittle, who was double covered, and George Kittle knocking an interception out of the air out of Adora Jackson's hands. It did feel like that Brock Purdy could have had about four picks in this game. Um, he didn't see a cornerback, a game where Kittle played pass defender on one play, and then on third down in the red zone, just tossed it up to Debo Samuel, who wasn't open, almost picked off again. Now, to Purdy's defense, avoiding a blitz, okay, fine, but there definitely were some plays later in the game as well where... He throws a Debo, ball gets deflected in the air, and Ronnie Bell happens to be there for the catch. Uh, Brock Bar- Purdy wasn't bad in this game. But early in this game, it could have been a lot uglier than it actually was. San Francisco won by 18 points and was up 17-6 to uh, at halftime. This game, again, against a better team, there were some certain throws you do not want Brock Purdy forcing. Uh, I'm not sure if that's just one read offense or because the, the, the Giants blitzed 85% of Brock Purdy's dropbacks where he's saying, look, I have to get rid of the football. Debo Samuel's my best target today. I'm going to make sure he has a chance. And again, there are certain throws you point to and say, hey, Brock, you know, just eat it. Just throw it away. Um, you know, and even then there, there were on those throws, right? One to Debo, one to Kittle. You had the good old check down Chris McCaffrey sitting in a flat saying, I'm here, I'm here, where the throws didn't have to be forced. But overall, I thought Brock Purdy played very, very well after that initial half, after the first quarter. Um, Brock Purdy in the first quarter of this game, 5 for 11, 68 yards. After that, quarters 2 through 4, 20 for 26 for 240 yards and two touchdowns. And... Brock Purdy could have had a third touchdown because he threw a freaking dime to Christian McCaffrey, who dropped the football, kind of floating to his right, falling down to his right in the end zone. So Brock Purdy's stats could be even more inflated now. You have certain fans pointing out and saying, well, it's dink and dunk, a lot of screen passes, and yes, a lot of quick passes. How do you negate the blitz, screen passes, end arounds? Dump-offs. It's what Pittsburgh tried to do against San Francisco, knowing they had Nick Bosa and Drake Jackson and Hargrave and Armstead. Um, it's what the Rams did, albeit not screen passes, but, but quick passes, five yards, keep the drive moving, keep your quarterback out of harm's way, and Brock Purdy did that. 
it was a lot of quick stuff, a lot of screens and arounds, and mainly if the Giants are going to blitz 85% of the time, it's going to take Brock Purdy getting the ball out of his hands quickly to survive and ultimately to win. Now, it certainly helps when you have players like Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey, who all of those players in this game totaled 90 yards from the scrimmage or above. Debo Samuel, seven touches, 129 yards. George Kittle, seven catches, 90 yards. Christian McCaffrey had over 100 all-purpose yards, 106 of those being on the ground in one touchdown. I mean, the Niners, their stars showed out. It was almost like, yes, they knew. Short week, can we just get in and get out with the victory? But it was the stars saying, put this team on our back. No Brandon Ayuk. What's Debo say? I'll step up. George Kittle had his best game of the year so far, being the ultimate uh, safety blanket for his quarterback and Brock Purdy. Chris McCaffrey, who his touches were in a way limited. They're mixing in Mitchell and Jordan Mason, but... Overall, Chris McCaffrey still has over 100 yards on the ground, or all-purpose yards, excuse me. Like, the Stars said, we are good enough, even without our you know, leading target getter and Brandon Ayuk, to win this game by a lot. And this game could have been a lot worse for the Giants. This is, what, the third game in a row where San Francisco, in the red zone, was not great. And, yes, they put up points every time they were there. But early in this game, when you drive, what, six minutes, 15 plays down the field, and you settle for a field goal, that sucks. Like, you don't want that. That's a drive you go out there and say, it's our home field advantage, our first game at home at Levi's, you get the ball first, march down the field and score a touchdown. Now, again, the red zone drives in this game, to me, didn't love them. Again, the first drive, you're in the red zone, Purdy throws the football three times in a row. Um, I don't mind Purdy throwing, but I don't... Sometimes Kyle Shanahan just confuses me where, like, against the Rams last week, it, five minutes left, six minutes left, you can put this game out of reach, getting a couple first downs, ice the game out. What does he do? A Debo Samuel run, then Debo Samuel run, then a pass, then a punt. And you're like, Kyle, like... Chris McCaffrey's right there. First drive of the game, when McCaffrey's averaging four or five yards a pop, what do you do? Okay, you you make Purdy throw three times in a row, and on this drive alone in the red zone, um, incomplete the Debo, then incomplete the Debo, then incomplete the Debo. It's like he 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 had CMC on a checkdown. Um, there was one play where he had Brock Pur or where Brock Purdy had Debo Samuel open earlier, but when you're forcing three throws to Debo Samuel. Um, why not just give it to Christian McCaffrey, who later on in this game, in their third trip to the red zone, they gave him the ball twice, and he had a touchdown. <laughs> it's like, guys, like, you have the ultimate X factor, the ultimate red zone threat on the ground in Christian McCaffrey. The first drive of the game, utilize that. Let him cap off your drive, and I get it. You think you have a mismatch in Debo Samuel on two rookie cornerbacks? Jonte Banks and Trey Hawkins, I get it. Like, I'm not saying it was a bad idea. I'm just saying after first down and it's an incomplete pass and maybe you just missed the mark, why not give it to your best player on the ground in Christian McCaffrey who's going to average five yards a pop in this game, 4.7 on the night? 
why not give it to your best running back who you know is going to it feels like you might get nothing but fall down for five extra yards right and again the proof's in the pudding it happened two drives later where he just walks in for a touchdown um that's a nitpick maybe but when you ask yourself they had what five red zone trips and they settled for a field goal three times that's nine points but it could have been 21 points right and when you point to playing against teams like the eagles and teams like the cowboys teams you are going to have to likely beat to get to where you want to be in february you have to execute in the red zone they haven't been great so far in the red zone this season uh, against the rams being their worst game outside of this one through three games so far so all that to say that Brock Purdy had over 300 yards, Debo Samuel over 100 yards, Chris McCaffrey over 100 yards, Kittle 90 yards, that even despite their stars having over 90 yards from scrimmage and up, and Brock Purdy throwing for 300 yards for the first time since the Seattle Seahawks game in the playoffs and second time in his career, this team still has levels to get better. This team can sit back and say, we have to improve in the red zone and put up instead of nine points, 21 points to sit back and say man like we can actually improve an offense that's putting up 30 points a game Kyle Shanahan joked afterwards was like yeah I I wanted to struggle in the red zone to keep it at 30 (laughs) it's like obviously he's joking but you can tell that they know the red zones where they can improve and for me as a fan you as a fan I'm sure you're sitting back saying like you know this game was an eight-score game in, what, the early third quarter. There was a certain time where you can point to and say, if they're playing a better opponent, maybe they're losing. Maybe it's a three-score game, or, or three-point game, excuse me. Maybe if Saquon Barkley's out there and Andrew Thomas is playing, maybe there are certain points in this game where, while maybe they aren't trailing, it's a lot tighter against a better team. And for San Francisco, it didn't happen. You can't play what-ifs, but... When you want to be in the bowl, when you want to be in the championship games and win it all, you have to execute because getting in the red zone isn't a given. And again, maybe it's a nitpick, but my mind thinks of NFC championship game, whether it's divisional round game against Dallas, Philadelphia, uh, maybe a sleeper team falls in there somewhere. Maybe it's the Super Bowl. Uh, Getting into the red zone is hard enough, but executing when the yardage gets short um san francisco has the weapons all over the field to to execute there to to get in the end zone now if brandon Ayuk's healthy he's out there maybe that's someone you look to and say well five yard slant boom first down five yard slant boom touchdown maybe that's the case but right now red zone trips have not been great in this game again you have nine points which it could have had 21 And for the second time in three weeks, you can argue in all three games, this Niners offense could have put up 40 plus points. Um, It just shows you that they're (laughs) they are almost guaranteed to put up 30 with the number one, a top five defense behind them, limiting teams to or only giving up to nine points, 12 points in second halves alone this year. It's going to be hard to beat this Niners team and Again, there's still room to grow offensively, which is really, really impressive. But back to Brock Purdy, um, 
again, early in this game, there were a lot of plays you point to and say, Ooh, it was a little, a little scary, a little sketchy, but to give Brock pretty credit, he settled in, got more comfortable. And I think for Brock Purdy and myself, and I think the fan base is starting to kind of come around to this. And um, if you haven't already felt this way, I, I know many of you have, but Brock Purdy, yes, he has poise. Yes, he, you know, yes, he sits in the pocket and looks comfortable. But for me, whenever you need a touchdown drive or just need some points or, or a big first down, I never sit back and say, hey, he, he can't do that. Or it's like, no, he's going to get this done. Um, there's this unlimited confidence in Brock Purdy, despite what many consider him having physical limitations. Like, it feels like when this team needs a big play, he's going to give it to them. It feels like when this team needs a score, needs a first down, that it's almost a guarantee it's going to happen. Um, and it feels like that unless there's a bad play call, that's the only reason why it's not going to, uh, work out for this offense. Uh, Brock Purdy, like, when when the Niners lose, I'm restless. I'm sitting here tossing and turning. Oh, I can't sleep. Oh, I'm having bad dreams and, and, and freaking PTSD and flashbacks. Why couldn't we win? Why couldn't we execute? But Brock Purdy, every game he's played so far, he's won. Outside of the Eagles game, doesn't count, got hurt. Every game he started and finished, they've won. Every game Brock Purdy has played, again, and started and finished, I am on that pillow after a hard-fought win saying, sleeping like a baby, because that's how much confidence I have in him, and that's how much, how much peace of mind he puts me at. Where it's like, with Jimmy G and Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick, you had some faith. Jimmy Garoppolo had the most fourth-quarter comebacks in 2019, led plenty of game-winning drives, game-leading drives late in games. Colin Kaepernick was crushing a defenses in the playoffs, beating Aaron Rodgers plenty of times, um, almost won that game against the Ravens in the Super Bowl, Alex Smith against the Saints. There was reason to have faith in those guys, but there were also reasons to sit back and say, oh, yeah, it's not going to happen. That uh, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy can't make that throw or, or cap is throwing the ball too hard and receivers are going to drop the, you know, the pass the personnel isn't there. Um, this offense isn't good enough, but for Brock Purdy, it's like this offense is good enough. And this quarterback is good enough. Now I'm not saying Brock Purdy's better than those guys. He might be, he might not be. We'll find out. And I think right now he deserves respect to be a top, I don't know, number 10 quarterback in the NFL. Uh, every week that goes by, he looks better and better and better and looks like the San Francisco 49ers are vindicated in their decision and trading away Trey Lance and moving off of Jimmy Garoppolo and going with Brock Purdy. Um, and, and also, look, Brock Purdy doesn't turn the ball over. Yes, there were scary throws in this game. And yes, maybe a better team, there are some picks. And we're sitting back saying, oh, Brock, like there's going to be a time where Brock Purdy loses a game where... His record goes from 9-0, 10-0 to 10-1. And maybe it's week five. Maybe it's week six. It's going to happen eventually. But right now, through three weeks, he's still undefeated. He's He has not thrown an interception yet. Turned the ball over just one time this year via a fumble. It's not like Brock Purdy is Jimmy G where you might get eight touchdowns, 
but you're going to have six turnovers in there where you're like, oh my, like, like you're giving the defense a chance to get back in this game. Where for Brock Purdy, it's like, I'm not turning the ball over and I'm scoring 30 points a game. And for Brock Purdy in this game, despite the bad, despite the slow start, despite missing on some throws, despite, you know, tossing some balls into double coverage and having passes deflected up high in the air and Ronnie Bell playing savior on a few plays and just kind of flinging things up to his receivers and Kittle and Debo Samuel, at least he's giving them a chance. Now, you can be smarter. (laughs) You can be a lot smarter. But for Brock Purdy, there were also some really good throws. Even when he was struggling, beautiful beautiful pass to Kittle over the defender over his back shoulder bang 15 yards first down towards the left sideline the Ronnie Bell touchdown pass is it a great throw I'm not sure but pressure in his face falling backwards throws it up to his receiver puts it to where he can only make the catch Ronnie Bell gets his first touchdown of his career congratulations Ronnie Bell happy for you go big blue um in the absence of Brandon Ayuk Ronnie Bell stepped up big time then hits Debo Samuel on what a 15 yard pass then it goes for 40 yards because Debo Samuel's so freaking good later in the game hit CMC literally falling backwards looks to his left and just flings it over there for a check down that gets him six seven yards extends the drive gets into the red zone like Brock Purdy's literally backpedaling saying oh oh and just flings it over to CMC boom first down in the red zone gets your team in field goal range or further into field goal range then arguably his two best throws of the night one dropped by Christian McCaffrey for a touchdown would have given this team 37 points then to actually ice the game, he says, you know what? Man, at the 38-yard line or 35-yard line, I'm going to do a seven-step drop to the 38-yard line, throw a ball 44 yards through the air, including the angle of the throw, and I'm going to hit Debo Samuel for my second back shoulder fade for a touchdown this year. Like, for all the dink and dunk BS and all the criticism of a slow start, Brock Purdy's second half was awesome. He's making throws that elite quarterbacks continue to do. Like, I, I'm sorry. For every quarterback that's played in prime time so far this year, especially this past Monday, uh, Brock Purdy's better. You can put Dak in that category. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, pre-Achilles tear, who knows, right? But Brock Purdy so far through three games, he's playing like a top 10 quarterback. Now, is he? I don't know. All I know is he scores touchdowns and doesn't turn the ball over. And he wins games. What else could you want? Now, yes, there are certain throws you can point to and say, oh, I don't like that. Could be better here. But in reality, winning is the most important thing. And how do you win games? By not turning the game or the ball over. And Brock Purdy's doing all that. And look, Brock Purdy also knows he's good. Brock Purdy quietly confident quietly a little cocky i know his nickname is big cock brock um my never mind not gonna say what i was gonna say there but 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 brock purdy is kind of cocky and arrogant but he's quiet about it he knows that maybe it is the weapons he has where he is the ultimate confidence in his guys maybe it's shanahan saying i'm going to make your life so much easier for you than anywhere else in the nfl but brock purdy sat there at the podium after the game and said if you're gonna blitz me good luck the Giants we knew coming in they were going to blitz having the fourth highest 
blitz rate, 42% coming into the game. They blitzed Brock Purdy 85% of the time. What does that mean for Brock Purdy and this offense? When you're blitzing six, seven guys almost every single play, the Giants are leaving people open. On 33 of 39 dropbacks, Brock Purdy got blitzed. 33 of 39. Giants had two sacks. Purdy only had 37 attempts through the air. Okay? Against the Blitz, Purdy was 20 for 31 for 247 yards and two touchdowns. I sat here last year, whether it was on 95.7 The Game's overtime postgame or on this very podcast, and I said, mm, give it time. You know, defenses are going to find the book on Brock Purdy, be able to stop him, and, and we'll, this, this, this train is not going to keep rolling. Um, my breakfast today was a big giant bowl of crow because while I wasn't hating on Brock Purdy, I was skeptical of, you know, how can the last pick in the draft keep this up? Well, I mean, my goodness, he's 9-0. He's won two playoff games. He's thrown for 300 yards twice in his career already. And he's undefeated and threw two touchdowns last night. And look, there is no book out on him just yet. Like, when the defenses try to scheme up for this offense, it's hard enough already to look at Debo and... Can't tackle that guy. George Kittle, how do you guard that guy? Christian McCaffrey, oh, oh my goodness, the NFL is leading rusher right now. Then Brandon Ayuk, then you have players like Kyle Juszczyk, and you have players like Elijah Mitchell who can make an impact on certain weeks. Then you have Brock Purdy, who's quietly played every game this year, been successful, never had to worry about him playing quarterback or who's playing quarterback in every game he's played. And the book is not out. There is yet to be shown or seen a scheme, a way of playing. It's not blitzing, mind you, like like the Giants did in, in Wink Martindale. I, like, I get you want to attack Brock Purdy, but in an offense that's predicated on executing checkdowns, intermediate throws, 10, 15 yards, and letting the yak bros work, blitzing doesn't make sense. 85 percent of the time knowing you have two rookie cornerbacks early in this game i get it you want to get brock purdy on his heels and see what he can do when he has some pressure in his face it almost worked out for the giants early in this game late in the game the, the niners made some adjustments and fixed the offense a little bit and said how can we you know let's be more efficient here and Brock Purdy said, watch this, here's 240 yards through the air in the second half, here's two touchdowns, here's 40 air yards, bing, bang, boom, looking like a freaking circus juggler, just dun, 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 dun. Like, like, oh my goodness, you cannot stop this offense. Blitzing, 85% of the time, the book is not out on Brock Purdy just yet. Um, again, want to give other players, Christian McCaffrey, 19 touches, 106 yards, one touchdown, um, we talk about Debo Samuel being physical and, you know, kind of it being this lightning, uh, lightning and thunder with McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, right? Chris McCaffrey has some thunder to him as well. Uh, he stiff-armed Deontay Banks like six yards into the ground, was like, get off me! 
Chris McCaffrey's so good. <laughs> just so good. He runs physical. He's so elusive. Like, he's hitting spin moves and jukes, and he may get two or three yards out of it, but it's two and three yards that matter. Um, didn't have, you know, this big run, but I can argue quietly put together over 100 yards again. He, he was not Debo Samuel in this game. He wasn't George Kittle in this game. But, but Christian McCaffrey, quietly, 85 yards on the ground, almost five yards a pop, one touchdown, 20 fantasy points. If you play fantasy, I know I do. I'm pretty happy about that. But Christian McCaffrey continues to prove he is the best running back in football and still has yet to make an impact in the air, on in, in the passing game. Now, drop the touchdown pass last night, which... I think he's probably saying, man, I should have got that one. And we're sitting here saying, Chris McCaffrey, two touchdowns, 130 yards altogether, 140 yards altogether. Oh my God, you got Debo and McCaffrey putting up 140-yard games, equaling, I don't know what that is, 280 yards for this offense and three touchdowns. But Chris McCaffrey, only 85 yards quietly on the ground, five yards a pop, 18 touches. And the good thing about this game is that Ayuk doesn't play. It's 10 days off to rest, right? Christian McCaffrey, they, they're winning by so much. Win by 18 points. Could have been more, mind you, but up 18. They're mixing in Mitchell, keeping McCaffrey fresh for late in the year. Uh, again, he'll get 10 days until his next game. Um, and these guys who are already bruised up, they're already feeling some, some pain. They get to have 10 days off to rest, relax, wake up on Sunday morning, get their coffee, you know, <laughs> A little bit of a sip and go, ah, 3-0, never felt so good. We're sitting here like, <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, you still have to win with your cigars puffing, you know, oh, wow, it feels so great to be 3-0. You have yet to reach our level. And they're just sitting there on Sunday morning saying, man, we are undefeated. We got Debo, McCaffrey, and Ayuk, and Kittle, and Mitchell, and Purdy, and Shanahan, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, man. The, the quietest 100-yard game from Chris McCaffrey and reached 5,000 career yards on his, well, career. Congratulations to him. Well-deserved, well-earned. Missed almost two years in a row and still already reached 5,000 yards um, and many, many more to hopefully come for him. And when you talk about Chris McCaffrey being among the elites, um, the greatest running back of all time, Emmett Smith, right? If not Barry Sanders. Um, I think I give it to Emmett Smith, though. Most consecutive games with the touchdown. Emmett Smith, 14. That's number one. Arian Foster, number two, with 13. Christian McCaffrey tied with LaDainian Tomlinson at number three with 12. Um, barring injury... I'm going to assume Christian McCaffrey at least, at least ties Emmett Smith. And it shows you that Christian McCaffrey in this offense is a freaking nightmare to cover. A nightmare to scheme for. He's just, Chris McCaffrey is so darn good. And like the entire team, they haven't even gotten him going in the passing game just yet. And once that happens, we're talking... 500 yards through the air and 1,000 yards on the ground, 1,500-plus yards altogether. 
and you know 10 15 plus touchdowns this year he's just so good so dynamic and does so much for this offense and again you get you get Mitchell in the fray Jordan Mason getting getting some runs uh Mitchell had a play in this game where runs for 18 yards and you're like go 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 and you see this massive cutback lane and you're like go that way go that way for a touchdown he goes nah I'll take a tackle I'm not sure if it's the reps or just in the heat of the moment we can see what he can't see but you're like Mitchell there's a whole lane to your left cut back cut up field and he didn't but whatever you win by 18 points you're sitting back saying we could have had five extra touchdowns and if we execute better um but then you had Debo Samuel who has seven touches 129 yards 28 yard touchdown pass huge 40 yard catch just running through defenders carrying what seemed like almost two defenders every single time just running through guys and uh KMBR did the the play where he's breaking six tackles and it goes the the Berman whoop 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 and it's like yeah like Debo Samuel you cannot tackle him one-on-one sometimes you can't tackle him two-on-one he's just that ferocious that aggressive um he wants to lay some freaking wood and in this game alone just in this game against the Giants Debo Samuel six missed tackles forced no other receiver has more than five this season Debo Samuel is and was against the Giants a force to be reckoned with um I would like to see Micah Parsons and Debo Samuel in space and see who wins that Uh, Micah Parsons probably the most dynamic defensive player in football being a linebacker being defensive end um he's very fast very powerful i want to see just them one-on-one who'd win um my money's on debo but that would be just an awesome matchup of you know unstoppable force means unmovable object of you know these two titans clashing who can stop who can debo run through him can Parsons take him down but that that could happen come week five and I kind of hope it does because that's must watch television uh George Kittle again we've been talking all week I said against the Steelers this could be a Kittle game against the Rams this could be a Kittle game against the Giants this was the George Kittle game seven catches 90 yards through the air could have had more on top of it uh George Kittle just so quietly great um they come in bunches. Uh, Brian Baldinger on 95.7 The Game says, Nick Bosa, the sacks come in bunches. We'll get to him in a second. George Kittle, the big games come in bunches. I'm expecting he's back in the fray. Get Ayuk back against the Cardinals, maybe. Offense back to full strength. Um, and kind of running on all cylinders. Arizona could be an even bigger Kittle game when it comes to touchdowns. Uh, and, and once you get Kittle going, it's kind of hard to stop him. Uh, I would expect, you know, a handful of more two touchdown games for Kittle in the future this season. Um, a lot of good, a lot of good in this game. Again, Ronnie Bell, two catches, 24 yards, one touchdown, had a nice tackle on a punt out there flexing, saying, let's go. Big, big task stepping in for Brandon Ayuk. Ronnie Bell did just that. Um, I said it previewing the game. He's like the first receiver, rookie receiver, since 2020 in Brandon Ayuk, who literally had to play. That's not in Shanahan's doghouse. Playing in big moments, meaningful snaps. 
Uh, and for a training camp and OTAs where he really wasn't standing out too much, had a good preseason so far through the two games he's played, looks really, really good. He likes to block, he likes to tackle, and he also likes to catch touchdown passes and fight for the football. So great job by Ronnie Bell stepping up, stepping in where in big moments, um, he's kind of not outplaying or out snapping, but I think you, you see Kyle Juszczyk saying he's one of us. They've embraced and he has embraced this Niner way of football. And for a young receiver, you want to play. Um, he's on that right track through three games so far this year. But there was some bad, there was some negative things. Um, the the defense in this game was really good. Um, but there were some penalties. The Giants' best drive, besides the first one, which Isaiah Oliver, great tackle on third down, forcing the Giants to take a field goal. Oliver, albeit wasn't great in coverage, Darren Waller had him beat a few times, Daniel Jones just missed him. But Oliver, really good at tackling, keeping the play in front of him. So far, since becoming the starter at nickel cornerback, uh, well, since last week and this week now. Um, but he, he looks a lot better. But then you have... The Giants' best drive of the game where they put up six points, get a touchdown. Uh, you have Jean Charles with a... He hits the punt returner, right? Gives him 15 yards. Then Lenore gets a P.I. And you're like, okay. When the Giants' best drive comes off of what, a free 37 yards, when you're gifting your opponent 40 yards because a, a practice squad player runs into the punt returner, and Lenore gets a defensive P.I. near the end zone, you're gifting an opposing team 40 yards. That can't happen. But if that's their best drive of the game, and they only scored 12 points, I guess you'll take that. You don't love it. Too many flags for me through three games so far for San Francisco. Highly penalized. You want to get that back down to like four or five penalties a game at max, but I think they're averaging like nine eight a game you don't want that so we can minimize that but the most the biggest flags to me the biggest red flag was trent williams in this game who was great blocking he was fine right but he had three penalties ineligible man downfield had a holding call cost his team some points then the biggest one he out there throwing freaking left hooks right hooks like the migos like it's fight night it's like dude <laughs> like i get it Trent Williams, Aishan Robinson, they have history. Robinson was a Ram a couple years, the past couple years. I'm sure they've you know said some words, exchanged some words, and there was some chipping early in this game. The Giants coming in wanting to make a statement against this Niners team rolling, right? And the Giants beating the Cardinals, coming back, scoring 31 points in the second half to win. They want to come out and they want to they want to knock the Niners down a peg, and they were chirping, they were talking, they were smacking, there were some swings early, and, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau doing the same thing, but Aishon Robinson, Trent Williams pushes him, mind you, Robinson walks by them, like, smacks him in the neck under the helmet, and Trent said, oh, that's how you want to play? Here's a freaking closed fist right hook to the face mask. Um, one, hey Trent, don't do that. Don't want to risk you breaking a finger, breaking your hand, breaking a wrist. And also, this game was relatively close, and there was like six seconds on the clock at halftime. Just take a knee, walk away. 
I get it, right? And Trent Williams is no... Uh, he's not afraid to take a swing or choke somebody. He was out there saying he wanted to kill Richard Sherman when it was Washington against Seattle. I mean, Trent Williams, a big man, a scary man, a very kind man, mind you, but you get him angry, uh, you do not want to test the silverback Trent Williams, and he's not afraid to take swings at people. Um, again, don't love that. Could have very easily been ejected in this game, and we're sitting here saying, you know, saying Jalen Moore gave up five sacks because the Giants blitzed 85-90% of the time, and this this game is a you know a five-point win, or maybe it's a loss. You know, I'm not saying that you know Trent Williams being ejected swings the game that far, but different team, maybe a closer game where it's not nine points. Say it's the Rams game last week where it's 17-17 at halftime, and you're sitting back saying, hey, like, Trent, we need you out there, and you're out here taking swings and, and right and left hooks. Now, he knows better, but it's not like he doesn't have a history of this. I'm not saying he's a, a dirty player by any means, but Trent's not afraid to enforce his will on a defensive player per se and um against the eagles last year uh in the playoff game frustrations are high Trent williams is like you know what i'm just gonna kill somebody <laughs> i'm just gonna go out there and knock someone dead and and see what happens and could have been tossed out the refs i think did a good job seeing that robinson threw the first kind of jab punch through his throat trent fired back separate the guys move on there wasn't an incident later with those two but then thibodeau uh, smacks Burford in the face and nothing happens there. Uh, so chippy game, but San Francisco being the better veteran team gets the win, but penalties still an issue. But now let's get to the defense, to the defense, because they were so good, so freaking good. The defense was so good in this game, and so was the offense. The Giants have been outscored 76-6 to in first halves this year. So good. So good. A.K.A. James Brown. So good. Dun, dun, so good. I got you. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, they're so good. Got me singing James Brown. Man. Nick Bosa had a sack on his first sack of the game. Or first sack of the season, excuse me. Um, also, it's not going to count in the box score, but had another sack on a two-point conversion, which now he's tied with Alden Smith on the team's all-time sack list. He could have already passed him. So in my book, Nick Bosa has two sacks, but on the actual box score only has one. Um, he was annihilating left tackles and right tackles all night. Um, I believe had the second most pressures with four on the team. Looked really good. Uh, out there shrugging twice in this game. You love to see it. Defensive player of the year. The reigning DPOY getting his first sack uh, of the season through week three Javon Hargrave I mean talk about a guy so far through three weeks worth every single penny I believe he is tied for the NFL lead in pressures for defensive tackles he's phenomenal got a second sack of the season and just ran through Shane Lemieux I mean back off left guard Hargrave said you have no business being on the same field as me they ran to them Armstead was great in this game. I mean, those three guys have just been house money. And we're even seeing Steve Wilkes do five-man fronts with Bosa, Hargrave, Kinlaw, Armstead, and Jackson. 
Kinlaw said it's like having five one-on-ones. I'm sorry, offensive lines. You are not going to beat all five of those players on one of the ones. And if you're like Steve Wilkes, you bring a linebacker in. You bring a sixth guy in and say, hey, running back, beat Fred Warner. Hey, running back, beat the blitzing Isaiah Oliver out of the cornerback position. Beat Greg Greenlaw on the opposite side, leaking towards the outside of the tackle. Steve Wilkes, great job in this game. Isaiah Oliver had a couple big tackles um, in this game. Uh, forced a few incompletions. Just solid, strong play throughout. Uh, Tayshawn Gibson was everywhere uh, making tackles in this game. I thought it was a really big game for him. Uh, quietly putting together another strong season through three weeks. Oren Burks was phenomenal in run blocking or run stopping. I think he had four against the Giants last night. I don't know why he was out there so much. Um, I know Dre Greenlaw got pulled out the field for a hot second, but Oren Burks, um, there's a reason why he's still here. Many fans said, why is he on the team still? Uh, you have D. Winters and Jalen Graham and DFF and Greenlaw and Warner. Oren Burks, why? Um, he's showing us why he's still here. He's valuable to the depth of this team. And in the absence of maybe a Warner or a Greenlaw knock on wood, He's shown he can step up and play well in the past couple games. Uh, Javon Kinlaw. Man, Javon Kinlaw is tough because injury history has gotten to him so much. And last year, supposed to be his year, talking a bunch of crap during the offseason, you know, wanting to, you know, my haters are going to be quiet. Now this year, he looks like a different player. Um, they're not using him as much, not relying on him as much to be this you know, DeForest Buckner replacement, but I want to give him credit. His body's right. He's leaned out. Um, I think he's doing calisthenics where he's stretching out his legs and his tendons and making sure that he's fresh every single week, making sure his knees aren't, you know, the previous made of glass. They're strong. They're sturdy. His body's right. And so far this year, he had four pressures against the Giants, but this year alone, he has 11 pressures already more than his 2021 and 2022 totals combined with 10. Javon Kinlaw is rejuvenated. He's healthy. He looks like an impact player when they want to run these five-man fronts or in the uh, in the relief of an Armstead or a Hargrave. Again, doesn't play 25 snaps a game. Isn't, you know, this every down player, but they found a way to utilize him to make him worth being on the field and keeping him healthy. Javon Kinlaw, I get first round pick, the hype was not lived up to, but Javon Kinlaw still has much to give in the NFL and you can get him for a year, maybe get him for an extra year on a cheap contract. Kinlaw can make an impact on this team and in these NASCAR packages, um, he's going to eat. And so far, San Francisco has three Defensive tackles, Hargrave, Kinlaw, and Armstead, top 10 in defensive tackle pressures. They are getting to the quarterback, had 26 last night altogether as a group. Uh, Bosa, Jackson, Farrell, uh, Kinlaw, Armstead against the Giants. They are getting to the quarterback, forcing him out of the pocket. And last night, Daniel Jones, Vanilla Vic, um... I came into this game stating that Daniel Jones was the 19th, 20th best quarterback in football. Didn't trust him. Didn't think he's that good, but knew 
he was going to keep the Giants in this game for a portion of the outing, right? Daniel Jones, his best attribute is his legs. Now, no Saquon Barkley. How is that going to impact their offense? And it seemed like that having no Saquon changed everything they want to do offensively. I have no idea how long he's out. They're already one and two. Um, I don't know who they're playing next week, but no Saquon, uh, no victory. The Giants aren't a good team without him, and their offense is plain vanilla. Um, I don't know what Mike Kafka and Brian Dayball's scheme was, what the game plan was, because it was almost like Daniel Jones dropped back 25, 30 times and went us this game. He had no design runs, which is weird knowing he has the most rushing yards besides Lamar Jackson in the past year and three games. Daniel Jones came into this game the second most used quarterback when it comes to design quarterback runs behind Lamar Jackson. Vanilla Vic is his nickname. We've seen him outrun linebackers and defensive ends and cornerbacks. We've seen him make big plays with his legs. In this game, in what was supposed to be the, the first test against a mobile quarterback for Steve Wilkes in this defense, Daniel Jones ran the ball twice on non-designed plays for five yards. Two and a half yards per attempt. Kyle Juszczyk, on one run, had three yards. Kyle Juszczyk averaged three yards a pop more than Daniel Jones. Um, Steve Wilkes, I love you. Daniel Jones, not a good quarterback with the ball in the air, throwing the football. But why would you not want to try to evade, knowing you have a banged up offensive line, and I get it, the idea was throw quick passes, like Matthew Stafford. I'm sorry. Daniel Jones doesn't have the weaponry or the arm to survive a blitzing, attacking Niners defense with a struggling offensive line. Even if Andrew Thomas is healthy, even if their starting left guards healthy, Daniel Jones does, even if Saquon Barkley's healthy, he doesn't have the arm to sit back there and throw 30 times and in different angles and avoid pressure and linebackers. He's not that guy. They don't have the receivers to do that stuff. I don't know what the game plan was, but the fact is, Brian Dable, who's a smart guy, coached under Belichick and, and Nick Saban, he knows his stuff. Mike Kafka coached and played under Andy Reid. They know their stuff. The fact is, he sat back and said, we are not going to utilize our quarterback's best traits, his arm, or his legs, not his arm. Well, what are you doing? And the fact is, when he tried to run, he got nothing. Nothing. Now again, no Saquon. Okay, fine. Matt Breida, Eric Gray, they can't use RPOs? Like, Breida's a fast guy. You let him go and get in space, he'll beat you for a little bit. Now, not a great running back, but you have to show something against the Niners defense and Daniel Jones and Brian Dayball and Mike Kafka... I don't know what the game plan was. You're not going to sit back and throw the football at Daniel Jones and beat this offense. You're not Matthew Stafford. Like, the game plan last night was let Daniel Jones cook. If Russ ain't cooking, he's burning down stadiums out there in Denver. You think Daniel Jones is going to cook against the number one defense in football? 
Why? He threw a pick late who finally got his pick interception second so far this year off of Mooney Ward tipped and Fred Warner tipped and playing pinball, ding, 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 into Hufunga's arms. I mean, Daniel Jones, at least in this game, it felt like his head coach and offensive coordinator let him down. <laughs> and Brian Dable on the sideline, you know, after every single penalty, what what was that? What is that call? Come on. And then you see him later in the game being like, was that against us? Oh, man. Like, they felt defeated. The, that team quit after the second quarter. You can tell they felt like that this game was over. The fans knew they had no chance coming into this game without Saquon, no Andrew Thomas. Um, the Giants, in my opinion, waved the white flag on Thursday morning, Wednesday night. Uh, this was a night-night, wrap it up, when as soon as the first kick went off, it was like, okay, like it's over with, uh, and the Giants folded easily. I want to give one more shout-out, though, to Jake Legatron Moody. Jake Moody, through three weeks, granted, only team thus far besides the Giants to play three games, leads the NFL in scoring at 37 points, leads the Niners in scoring at 37 points, hasn't missed the kick, knock on wood, for three games so far this year. He's the first kicker, I believe, to have three field goals and three extra points through three games in each game. Jake Moody, yeah, He's a good one. He's a real, real good one. Legatron, folks. Get on the Legatron bandwagon. He looks awesome, looks amazing, not missing anything. Hitting 57 yarders last week. We are 3-0, undefeated for the first time in, since 2019. Niners look amazing. The offense has yet to reach its potential. There's room for Bosa to get better and get two sacks a game. Room to get more interceptions and picks. We got what? We got one last, what, two last week. We got five interceptions so far this season. This defense is working hard. They've allowed what? 12 second half points through three games, allowing four second half points in sec on average per game in second half so far. My goodness, this team looks amazing. Now, there's still bigger tests to come, one of those being week five, but. We have week four ahead of us. I hope you enjoyed week three. Stay tuned for the preview of week four against the Cardinals next week, probably around on a Wednesday or Thursday. But enjoy week three being 3-0. Wake up on Sunday morning knowing the fact that the Niners are the first undefeated team. Have no worry of losing in week three. Get up. Whether you're going to church or just getting up and going from the bed, getting your butt off the bed to the butt to the couch, getting your coffee, watching some red zone, eight hours of commercial free football, or maybe you're not, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do on Sunday. Enjoy Sunday, anxiety free, stress free, knowing the San Francisco 49ers. Brock Purdy, CMC, Ayuk, Kittle, McCaffrey, Hufunga, Jake Moody, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Nick Bosa, undefeated, looking good, with room to grow, room to improve. And folks, when you're 3-0, you're undefeated, I have one phrase to say. Feels great, baby. <laughs> it feels great! I am pumped! I hope you're pumped as well. Hope you enjoyed 
the show. Hope you enjoyed the win last night. Niner fans are calling Brock Purdy, uh, Brock Tana, calling him Himmy P, calling him Brocky P, whatever nickname you want to call this guy. Let me know down in the comments. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe. If you've gotten this far and you already liked the video, you can take it back. If you're going to leave a review on the Apple Podcast or Spotify, I don't care what you say. You can say ga ga goo goo or poop poop pop pop. Just give us five stars and say whatever you want to. It helps the show. Don't forget to follow us on social media at 49ers underscore access is Twitter. 49ers.access is the Instagram. If you want to go to two of the next games, both being at home, Cardinals and Cowboys, use our promo code 40. Niners access up above or down below in the description for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com. If you want to buy some merch, Fanatics link up above. I'm pointing to it right now. Kind of. There it is. Or down below in the description. Uh, I have one more message to Niner fans out there. Please stop fighting at games. It's dumb. I don't care what someone says to you. Don't put your hands on somebody else. We paid our hard-earned money to go watch a game, enjoy the game. No one needs to get arrested or kicked out. We're all fans, we're fanatics. We want to watch football, watch our Niners, be a part of the faithful, and enjoy being undefeated, being 3-0. Let's be kumbaya, we're all friends here. We're all, we're all best friends, we're all part of the same effort to support the San Francisco 49ers. Stop fighting, be friends in the food courts of Levi Stadium, actually in the stands. I'd rather you hold hands, hands across America, than start fighting, right? Share some hot dogs and food, Lady in the Tram style, instead of fighting. You do you. Be safe. Be smart. My name is Sterling Bennett saying this has been the Forward to Access podcast. And until next time, stay faithful.